For those of you who don't know me, my father was the late, great John Candy, who is no stranger here to Second City. Now, tonight's guest I'm very excited about. You, he is a Second City alumni. You may know him as Carl the Janitor from The Breakfast Club. <laughs> he was also a regular, a series regular on the show Justified. And also you can see him in the most recent Academy Award winning film, Shape of Water. John Kapalos. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so you. excited. Thank you. Now I ask all my guests what their favorite candy is, and you said... Peanut butter and chocolate. Which is essentially Reese's Peanut Butter yeah. Cup. <laughs> which so I love, so I have those for you. It's a real problem. <laughs> so I'm sorry to have your uh, problem sitting right in front of you. Yeah, get comfortable with I am. the cushion, the pillows, whatever. Now, you also said, obviously, because you are of Greek descent, that you said you love Greek desserts. What is your favorite Greek dessert? Well, I don't know whether it's actually Greek, but my mother made this risogolo, which is a rice pudding, which I guess is ubiquitous. I mean, it's in a lot of cultures. Okay. But then also, uh, you know, melon macadano and, you know, pasticcio. I mean, not pasticcio, but that's, that's the main course. Uh, but we can eat it as dessert anyway. Dessert, whatever, whatever Put sugar want. on it. <laughs> it's all good. It's, it's all, all good. Anything with sugar is quite delicious. Except don't eat the clove in the middle of the... Uh, the, uh, oh, no, that would the, be... The, 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 uh, whatever, the sugar cookie. Exactly. That would not, that would not be good. <laughs> So, John, did you always want to be an actor? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, when did, what age were you at when that? When My father started? said, "Well, very early on. I used to. So I was the youngest, so I probably made fun of a lot of people, and there were lots of people to make fun of. <laughs> there was a whole gallery of folks, and um, you were the uh, youngest of how many?" My uh, youngest of three, but also the youngest of my cousins. There were four cousins, and sort of the youngest of this whole line. And my parents were a very old, much older parents. <laughs> My mother was, I think, 40 or 41 when she had me, or maybe late 30s, which was big old in that, in that time. And, and my father was, I think, much older. So, you know, they, they met before the war and then did the thing after the war. And then I was kind of the uh, <laughs> love child. <laughs> a mistake. The, the oops. <laughs> but the happy oops. Yeah, I, mean, I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you. Uh, always knew as a kid that you wanted to be an actor. Did you do plays in high school or grade school or anything like that? Yeah, I just, you know, my folks were kind of straight and conservative and they didn't want me to do that. There was a theater community in our hometown. And Victor Garber, I remember as a kid who was older, his father had a, 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 a formal rental company. My dad had a clothing store, so they did business together. Okay. And his mom had a TV show at home with Hope on uh, local TV and she was very elegant. She kind of looked like a... Um, kind of like Kim Novak, <laughs> uh, like that Dorothy Provine or something. Right. And uh, she was she had this TV show, and they were kind of like show busy. And Victor was my brother's age, about five six years older than me. And he would do little theater in London, and he did the Showboat, and he did the the Wealth Fargo Wagon, and Music Man, and all that stuff. And I was so envious. They lived a couple blocks away, and I always asked my parents, "Can I, you know, maybe do that?" No, that's uh, you don't do. We don't do that. We don't do that. And the Greeks have a word, theatrini, theatrini, which means you know, you know, buggerer. <laughs> that went over big. So. There's a lot of buggerers out there. There you are, John. I recognize that laugh. <laughs> that my one friend. <laughs> Well, 
not anymore. <laughs> but, you know, they were really tough in so far as show business. It was not something that they entertained. And then when I told my dad, you know, he was kind of, okay, you got a year to do it? Do it in a year? What do you mean do it in a year? He said, well, if you get a job in a year. Okay. Uh, this is when I told him I wanted to become an actor. And then he said, try it out. And if it works, um, if you get a job within a year and keep it, um, then... Then, you know, don't become a waiter, don't become a bartender, become an actor. And, and then if not, we'll go back to school. And I thought that was a pretty good bargain. That is a good bargain. And, um, so what was that first job? Was, did that job... My first job was Second City. Well, I was just going to say, <laughs> yeah. was, how did you find your way to Second City? Well, I mean, between my dad and your dad, um, you know, they were kind of, and I'm not being coy when I say this, they were sort of too big. My father was really helpful insofar as he, I think, struck a good deal. He said, don't become a waiter. And I, I was the world's worst waiter. I did a job in Toronto. I was fucking horrible at it. <laughs> and um, and uh, it really, um, then it sort of fell together. I mean, the whole Second City thing. It's a long story. It's a long story. <laughs> we got time, right? We got time. We're good. We got plenty of time. Um, so you were obviously in... I was in Toronto. Toronto, because you were born in London, Ontario. Right. So you went to the Second City in Toronto. Right, and I was supposed to graduate university in 78 and I dropped out and I uh, got a job in an oil rig in Alberta uh-huh. and unfortunately I got the job through my father who knew the vice president of the company through our member of parliament so when I got to the gig everybody fucking hated me uh-huh. because they called me university and they threw tools at me <laughs> so that was like that lasted about a month and a half and it was the worst thing and like the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life and I almost lost my arm one day working as a roughneck in the Arctic Circle for mobile oil. Oh, wow. And then I asked them to be send me back to Rocky Mountain House, which was in Alberta. This is probably too much information. No, I, I love it. Then I hitchhiked through the Rocky Mountains, and I worked in a record store for six months, and I started doing all these films at UBC. This is before the film wave hit Vancouver, so Vancouver was just this outpost. And I worked in a record store, and I hung out at a friend's place, and I lived on Bisquick and Asparagus. Uh, yeah, that's even. Don't even imagine that. No, don't want to really. Well, I guess you have to now. Uh, <laughs> I don't recommend it. Um, and then I had a rapprochement with my father. Came back here. I uh, made a slight uh, detour through uh, L.A. I visited, uh, stayed with friends of our family who happened to be Diane Geddes and Paul Haggis, her husband. Oh wow! Yes. And then came back to Toronto. And then one day I was walking down the street in Toronto after having had this conversation with my father. I moved to Toronto. It was in May of 1978. And I was out with some friends, and I fell by Second City. And I went into Second City. It was a revelation. And first of all, your dad was there. Right. He was in the back, and they were doing the show. So I came in the last part of the show, and then everybody was in the back of the fire hall, and then there was John and Catherine. And so they were shooting SCTV, or they were writing SCTV. It was the beginning of the summer. Right. And they, then they went up on stage and did stuff, and I went, holy shit, this is amazing. And I literally got addicted to it. Yeah. I came every night to Second City. And, I mean, the story is pretty elongated. By August 4th, I had a, I auditioned in Chicago. Oh, that's great. What was your audition like? Uh, well, uh, the person I auditioned with is out here, Mr. Mike Henry. Oh. He could probably tell you more about it than I. But although... Wonder where he is. He, he, was at, he was at the Earl of Old Town, across the street, having lunch after having a workshop or something. 
And Del Close pulled him out and said, "Listen, we got this kid from Canada." It's a longer story than that, but I, I showed up. <laughs> I showed up four days before. I met Bernie when I was an extra on SCTV, and I was dressed as an Arab. Oh gosh! And I was taking the water away from your dad in this Bob Hope Open Desert Golf Classic with Yasser Arafat. And I was the Arab that took the, the water away. And I, the Bernie Sollins was standing there, and so we said, "That's a producer from Chicago." And all the workshop people in Toronto were there, and I went up to him and I said, "Mr. Sollins." I'd like to audition for, audition for Second City Chicago. And all the workshop people are going, can you believe it? Can you believe him? You know? Yeah, they're, we're all, they're all the extras. And he said, yeah, kid, you want to audition? Are you ready, kid? Are you ready? And I said, yeah, I'm ready. And I'm dressed as this towering Arab with a staff and stuff. All this body makeup. And um, I gave him my phone number. Like, you know, and he stuffed it in his pockets. And I remember two weeks later going, I have like this moment, like, I think he's sitting by my phone, this guy's going to call, going to call. Never going to call. So I told my dad, phoned my dad up and lied. I said I had a job in Chicago and I needed to borrow his credit card and take a Greyhound bus to Chicago. So I did. And that was at the beginning of August. Uh, no, in the middle of August. I actually had the date wrong. I think it's around the 15th or 18th. But I had the, somewhere in my records I have the date and <laughs> so I took a Greyhound bus from London, Ontario to Chicago, which was 12 hours. Right. Landed in Chicago at 6 in the morning, checked into a hotel on Ohio Street, waited till about 10 in the morning, walked to Second City through Cabrini Green. Uh, what? Went, went, went on Ohio Street <laughs> yeah. and, and walked down Wells Street and went and showed up at Second City and the look on Bernie and Joyce's face. Said, hi, I'm John Capels from Chicago, remember, from Toronto. Remember you said I could audition? He goes, what? <laughs> and he didn't remember me. And Joyce took me under her wing. Aww. And it was a Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was expecting, I told my dad I'd be home by Friday night. And I told also my parents that I had the job. I had the job and all this stuff. <laughs> a little bit of hubris. And Joyce says, well, we can audition you on Monday. I got like $18. Right. And this, so long story short, I got theatrical rates at this hotel for like $22 a night. I stayed for four nights. Joyce gave me tickets the night before to, uh, what is it, a chorus line? Okay, yes. Which is the worst play you see before a night of an audition. <laughs> God, I want this job. And on the Monday, I showed up, and that's when they pulled Hags out. They said, well, he's got to audition with somebody. So they got Haggerty, and Haggerty and I sort of meet one another. And, how are you doing? How are you doing? <laughs> and uh, there's Will Porter and Don DePolo and uh, uh, Will Aldis uh, now, uh, Don DePolo now dead. And um, um, these lines aren't working, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> now dead. Um, and who else was there? Del Close. <laughs> he was dead then. Uh, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> and uh, who else? Um, and Joyce and Bernie. And uh, then we did our three through the door, five through the door. Yeah. And uh, I, I, Haggerty and I, it was fun, fun, fun. I just remember it being kinetic. We really did a great job. I mean, we were flying through it. Um, Joyce came. But then we went out to the front bar. And I think I'm remembering this right, Mike. And um, Joyce came out. Sh- she said, you know, we only, have, we only have room for one person in the company, touring company, but you're a boss so good, we're going to hire you both. <laughs> and so Hags and I are fighting over the telephone there to say who or whose mother we're going to, who's, who's going to call their mother first. And, and uh, we flipped a coin, and I forget who went first, but ba ba bum 
He called his mom. I went about, I, forgot, I called my mother. I said, I got the job. She goes, well, didn't you have it already? <laughs> I went, oh, yeah, that lied. Right. <laughs> yeah, there was a little question of auditioning. <laughs> and she said, you know, there's a package here from the United States consulate. Can I open it up? I said, yeah, and it was my U.S. passport. So. Oh, wow, perfect timing. So, the rest is you know, I actually have, uh, so yeah. you and Haggerty were then in the touring company together? Yeah, I showed up about six weeks later, and he was like the veteran of the touring company. <laughs> I have a sketch of, of you and Haggerty, and, um, and then Tom Virtue. Virtu? Yeah. It's so boring. It's so lonesome. It's so lonesome. It's so boring. It's so lonesome. It's so lonesome. It's so lonesome. It's so boring on the ring. You get to feel it really strange. It seems like nothing ever changes. So boring. It's so lonesome. on the ring. It really sucks. That wasn't that easy, though. I mean, they I did say, three years of the touring company. I was just going to say, what was that process like for you? I was like, um, I went and I went to Cubs in Canada. They used to have this thing where all the Cubs would, like, 18 boys, would, you'd have to crawl through a thing and everybody would take a whack at you. Yeah. And at the end, you'd stand up and then the other kid would go through and take a whack. That was kind of what seconds you were. By the time you got to the main stage. Yeah, you know, you everybody takes a whack at you and then you get up there and they go, well, you can take enough whacks. But um, in a way, I mean, it's... You know, people are in their 20s. Uh, I don't know whether I was the best, most well-behaved when I came in there. <laughs> I was, you know, young and arrogant. And uh, I'll never forget my buddy Haggerty saying to me, I was there six months. And somebody said, oh, yeah, capitalist. He's got a bad reputation. And Haggerty says, over a beer, he says, you're too young to have a fucking bad reputation. <laughs> <laughs> and that kept me going for many years. It's like, yeah, yeah. But now I do have a bad reputation, and it's well-deserved. So. <laughs> But, but seriously, uh, it was tough at the beginning because I walked in. I'd never really had a job outside of, you know, working in a record store and on an oil rig and working in my dad's clothing store and, and stuff like that. And so actually having a professional job, uh, I was late for a few, few rehearsals. I was, and Joyce literally called me and said, you're late one more time, you're out of here. Mm. Actors aren't late. And she made that eminently clear. I mean, there was a lot of... And I'm not kidding about the wax, because, you know, people, part of the professional thing, and I'm saying this lovingly, you know, everybody gets, you know, yeah. this is what you do. This is how you rehearse. This is how you learn lines. This is how you learn a scene. You know, the great thing about the touring company is we learned every scene from the 15, 18 years before Second City. Right. At that time, so it was pretty good. And um, uh, we learned a lot. And... and but there was a day when I had a moment where, like, somebody said to me, I said, hey, well, somebody you know us, we're backstage griping. Because you really learn how to work in groups. Right. And it's not easy to start working in groups. But that's a great thing about Second City is, like, in your early 20s or whatever, like, you work with people and you have to. Right. 
um, even if you don't want to. And I didn't think I really wanted to all the time. Um, but somebody said uh, I was griping, and it might have been Mike or somebody like that. I said, well, yeah, that asshole, I didn't do you know. He said, well, you don't treat him like that. And I was like, yeah, I don't treat him like that. And all of a sudden, it was this moment of like, hey, maybe I should start treating people the way I want to be treated. Right. And then and things started opening up, and literally people would be backstage with me and going up. Yeah, I hear you're a real asshole, but you're great to work with. <laughs> well, don't tell anybody. And then, and then what happens is that, you know, doors open and, and then people eventually accept you, foibles and all. And, you know, we see one another low these many years later, all my Second City friends and colleagues. And despite our differences then and perhaps now, we still you carry still, on. Yeah, yeah you know, of it's, course. Oh, that's really here. <laughs> I'm so, sorry, I, did, I was aiming for you, Mary Catherine. Please do not injure, I, no one signed waivers. Oh. <laughs> so, John, there, uh, I hear you have a, uh, a Del Close story that involves a trust fall. A what? Do you know, do you, do you, I, I read somewhere, do you know, do you remember? Oh, a trust fall where he did a thing off the stage? Yeah. Oh, God. Del, Del, do, I, do you mind I mean, sharing I mean, this? Everybody loves Everyone has a Del Close story, and I like sharing You know, I, I would like people to pick the person in their lives right now that they thought was least likely to become a guru. And then when you go to the I.O., like, Del is something else. And he's, he, you know, he was more myth than, than, than reality when I was around him. Right. And, he, and he liked me, and I liked him, and, you know, so that was cool. Um, so you have Dell's stamp, you know. Dell likes you. Well, it's great. Well, can yeah. I can I hold the needle? And then so, um, <laughs> but the thing is that we did this workshop where Dell strips and then comes in and you know we're all like at the back of the theater like people are in Dell strips to his kind of brown gotchies underwear. <laughs> and like he's standing there, or he's got pock marks like moon marks all over his body. He goes, this is my tracksuit. Because all places where he shot heroin, all over his body. It's pretty disgusting. Then he goes at the end of the stage, and he does one of these things where he teeters, and then he does a dead fall off the stage, and we all start scrambling, grabbing, and then we're grabbing him by the tip of the hair, and and he barely hits the the chairs, and we, we, we grab him. And like, you know, we're pinching him and he's bleeding or whatever bears can come. We got him, but he's just barely like, you know, almost like a Pixar cartoon. It's like here, right? Just from the ground. Yeah, and, and he goes he gets up and goes, Now I can trust you. <laughs> what the fuck? And I don't know, to your mom and dad, today I met a junkie. A member of the beat generation. <laughs> it's like my father and mother, it's like, you know, come back to the clothing store. <laughs> Come home, we don't. Come home to the five and... So what was your first gig after Second City? Um, well, I did a bunch of movies during Second City, and Joyce said, you got to go. <laughs> <laughs> the next wave, you got to leave. So, I mean, the first really big gig I think I had after Second City was... I, I mean, I did a play with George Clooney and um, Daryl Hannah's brother... Oh, Duke Hannah, or whatever the fuck his Must name was. Did you say was. Tom? Don. 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 <laughs> yeah. And who got who was producing the play and then got booted out of it and George came in to replace him. It was a horror show. We did it at Steppenwolf. Oh wow. Don booted in the front door of Steppenwolf the night before the opening. It was it was a textbook case. Haskell Wexler's brother, Yale Wexler, produced it. Okay. It was called Vicious. It was about Sid Vicious. So I did that gig 
at Steppenwolf thinking, boy, I'm going to do real theater. <laughs> it was, man, it was a horrific experience. But I um, learned a lot from it. Probably learned more of that from that than successes. And then, then, then um, came out here and um, auditioned for Roxanne. Oh, wow. So Roxanne, I think, was one of the first big movies I did out of Second City. But I had done Breakfast Club and stuff before that. And then Roxanne was with Steve. 80, it was the 80s. 86. 86, um, Steve Martin, Daryl Hannah. Yeah, Shelley Fred Duvall, Willard. And Fred Willard, Shelley Duvall, which Roxanne was one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I love that movie. That's a picture that um, Steve, uh, at the end of the day, Steve hated wearing the nose. Yeah. They had like an $80,000 nose budget, which now I guess would be $20,000 billion <laughs> nose budget. And Steve just wanted to take the nose off the other day. I said, listen, can I pull it off, yank it off? And we did that picture. So it went off. That's a great. I think there's a group photo, too, I have of, yeah. And that's, you know, working with Fred Willard was fun. And uh, what's his name? Uh, I mean, all those guys, uh, Steve Middleman and, um, Jesus, why am I not remembering his name? Uh, Michael J. Pollard from, yes. from Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> we were about to enter one night. We are doing this scene where we were shooting. And we are all walking out of this cafe, and they have the camera, and it's the middle of the night in Nelson, British Columbia. And we're all leaving one by one in the cafe, and it's sort of a languid moment. And I said to Michael J. Paul, I said, listen, I'm going to walk out there. Could you just let me stop and hang for me? And we're just about to yell action. And he turns to me and goes, I don't hang for fucking no one. <laughs> 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 and the whole cast heard that. And that became the mantra every day. Yeah, nobody hangs for fucking no one, especially for you. So, it's the last time I'll ask an actor to you know, do me a favor. Yeah, no. <laughs> I'll just that step that on it. Happen. So you did Roxanne, which is amazing. Now, you also run a lot of um, John Hughes films. Yep. So you were well, well most known for Carl, the janitor. I guess, yeah. But you were also in 16 Candles. Mm-hmm. And you also, if I'm correct, were in, well... I was in Weird Science. Weird Science. And it was in Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller. So how did, how did that connection... The Ferris Bueller was cut out. You were... Oh, <laughs> you, I think the, what, the Russian... Well, it happened. There's a look. Russian cab driver downtown and uh, this whole sequence, and I don't know why it didn't work. Look, it's what we have in common. I was cut out of all of John Hughes' films, too, as well. So I have a great reel of all my films that I was in, but I never... John, John was pretty passive-aggressive about stuff, and then, you know, you were gone, you were gone. Yeah, so. you were gone, you were gone. But so how did that... So how did the um, Breakfast Club come about? Just because you had been in all the other films, or was there... Well, in actual fact, Breakfast Club, I was doing 16 Candles, and Hugh said to me, listen, I'm going to um, do another movie coming up, and you're going to be bigger than Bill Murray. I think Bill Murray heard that. (laughs) Put a kibosh on that. (laughs) Uh, But the notion was that uh, he's got this movie called The Breakfast Club. I said, really? I'd really like to do it, Mr. Hughes. You know, I was a Chicago actor, and Everybody else has got their agents, and you know. You know. <laughs> so, I go off to New York to open a show at the Village Gate. Mike and uh, um, Richard Kind and Rick Thomas and a bunch of us, uh, uh, Isabella Hoffman and Megan Fay, and we did a really great show called Orwell That Ends Well in 1984 at the Village Gate uh, in New York. And I opened the trades at that time. There was a New York trades paper, which was different than LA, and it had the weekly trades. And they said that Breakfast Club lensing in Chicago, and I. And, and Rick Moranis had right. the part that, um, and literally, literally, um, <laughs> it was like, it was literally like a Tuesday afternoon at three, I saw that, and the next morning I got a call from my agent in Chicago, Harice, and she said, uh, it didn't work out with Rick and they'd like you to come in. So. Wow. 
So um, I left the company and went to Chicago and shot the thing. They flew me into Chicago and I stayed in my apartment and they gave me per diem in a hotel room. And <laughs> but I live here, but oh, don't worry about it, it's universal. Now, what was what was it like shooting Breakfast Club? Was there was it mostly scripted with John Hughes' stuff, or did they, was there room for improvisation? Well, John, um, the reason John liked me and people liked me, and I think he liked your father and 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 Hags and, and Beltsman and people like that who worked with him is that we could improvise and then remember what we improvised. You know, it's not a question of just improvising. You just have to, you have to skate, you have to do the same slalom path every time. And I did that with Gary Marshall and Nothing in Common and I've done that in a lot of films. So John liked that. So what we would do, we would normally shoot five to, he shot a lot, he had a high shooting ratio. So he'd shoot maybe 18 takes to one, which was one of the issues he had with the studio, but among many, but... Um, We'd shoot maybe six, seven, eight takes as written, and then we would improvise. Oh, wow. That's great. I actually have a scene uh, that I think you, you sent us that... Um, from the Criterion? From the Criterion. <laughs> I think a deleted scene, or one of, your, one of the versions... Well, the Criterion is... It, it, Breakfast Club, you know, whoever guffawed at that. <laughs> well, Breakfast Club was released in the Criterion collection this January, and they put all these extra scenes in it. Well, we've got. So, and we've this, got. Is, this was a deleted. This is a scene that I shot, and then they cut out along the middle part. How does one become a janitor? You want to be a janitor? No, I just want to know how one becomes a janitor because Andrew here is very interested in pursuing a career in the custodial arts. Oh, really? Well, you go out with a bride named Maria Pagliani. Spend your senior year in the back seat of her dad's Buick Electra, humping your ass off, thinking you got life cooked. Then uh, you live with your parents for about eight years, sell some hash, get busted, blow out the transmission in your old man's car, and keep on fucking up, you know, fuck up, fuck up, and then when you're tired of fucking up, you fuck up some more. You know, fuck up as much as you want, right? Then when you stop doing that fucking up, you come here, you fill out an application with Don McKinley down in personnel, and. Uh, You'll be ranking in 11.74 an hour in no time. Mm. <laughs> there was a lot of that. Yeah, too bad it didn't make it into the movie. There's, but, but, but then again, you see, it didn't really, wasn't part of the movie. But there's so, there's so many takes that are great. With, with, it happened with my dad all the time, too. Like, Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, there are three different versions of that movie. Like, there, what yeah. was edited, everyone's like... Well, this makes no sense, and in my mind, because I've seen so many different versions of that movie, that you're like, well, there's this whole storyline that got cut out, and this whole story. So there could there literally could be a whole version of just your like the janitor storyline, just yeah. based off of all the footage that that people shoot. Which well, the movie as as it came down to be is what it is, it, and, right? And um, but um, there was a whole segment there that it, it goes on where I tell them where they're all going to be like today, right. thirty years from when you know we shot it, and. Um, uh, I went to Universal to loop the movie and Dee uh, Dee Allen who was editing it and I was expecting it to be in the film right. so I'm going to loop the film and uh, she puts her arm around me and she said you know that whole thing you said we're in 30 years that's out and then she said that other thing out and she did this sort of movement which I still can do to this day yeah. <laughs> like cut out it's like oh fuck really oh. and I went into the studio and whatever's in the movie is just like pieces of right. what I did and <laughs> as much as people like, I literally had to stop, keep myself from crying through the whole looping session. Oh, God. Just watching and watching it. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Right. 
And like, I think the movie's okay. I think it's a bit dated, and also there's a lot of you know slut shaming and this stuff going on. I, I agree with what Molly said. I saw the film at a screening about six months ago in Tulsa. They had it, right? And I, I was wincing at a lot of it. I wince at a lot of John Hughes movies. Yeah. Anyway. Well, they can be even at the time. Even. At <laughs> well, but I do find like Long Duck Dong. I find all that stuff really uncomfortable. Well, I was just gonna say there are still th- some things that are just doesn't work. Just slightly offensive. Slightly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but but also, you know, the Riz checks, when I auditioned for 16 Candles, you know, it was actually much more offensive than it became. And, and they were like, they were, they were going to be the good Wasp family and the bad Wasp family. Right. And then I auditioned for John, and they decided to make them more ethnic. And right. the guy that played my father in the in the 16 Candles was, I think, a real mobster. So. Oh, was he really? <laughs> I don't think he met a good end. There, there, was, there was nothing yeah. there. Um, okay, so you did all the, the John Hughes films, and... What was what was it like moving from? I was gonna say because you did a lot of television as well afterwards. Um, yeah. So there was a show that you did in Toronto that you mm. did forty eight episodes of that yeah. was called that was called um, Forever Night. Yeah. Well. <laughs> That's great though. But let me uh, Forever Night, which is <laughs> let me the tagline here, which I absolutely Nick Knight is an eight hundred year old vampire working as a homicide detective on the graveyard shift in modern day Toronto. Bobby and Miata. What was that experience you know, like? Well, I just have to say at this moment at juncture. Because you haven't asked me directly about your dad. Oh, no, well, I'm getting there. But Well, yeah, but one of the things your father said to me, and I'm not kidding you, and he he's along with what my dad says, get a job. And your dad, I said, you know, John, you know, when you see actors on TV saying, you know, they, oh, they, you know, turn down this and that, he goes, it's bullshit. He said, do everything. Do everything. So that Forever Night was part of my do everything policy. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said, well, I have directly but, um, but you know you have to do everything I think you know no you do have to I think it's important to do everything how is how is it that my dad that's why I'm doing nothing now <laughs> <laughs> gotta keep doing everything how is it that my dad influenced you well your dad was great because when I started taking the workshops in that six month period five month period he was very very kind very generous um, he was Toronto Johnny I mean I wouldn't purport to know say I oh I knew John Candy really well but you know we'd see him on the street with his car and you know um he was always quick with a smile and all that. But also we asked him to do these workshops for us. Right. So we rented a space, a bunch of us, and he came in for like four or five Saturdays. And uh, that was my comedy sort of training. And, you know, people talk about legends. You talk about Del Close, and when you're supposed to meet Del, he's a legend. But at the time, you don't know the people that you know are so important. And, you know, John was really, really important. And what people don't talk about your dad a lot, and what I remember him being, was a really good teacher. Really, really funny. But what he taught you was the possibilities. He could make anything funny, right? Mm-hmm. But not just because he was inherently funny, but because he understood, well, he was inherently funny, but he also had the key to it, you know, he sort of knew the, knew the thing. But he also said, do everything. I remember I, he, he did The Silent Partner at the time, this Christopher Plummer movie. Mm-hmm. It was on, it was around that time. And he was doing stuff that wasn't drama. I mean, that wasn't comedy. Right, no, it yeah, was, no, was he, drama. I mean, he was really towing it with it. Playing with it? Well, his very first film he ever did was called um, Clown Murders. Yeah, I remember that. And he hated it because it scared him so much in the beginning because it was just a very dark and it was just, it was one of those movies like he was just like, I don't like doing it. But he did it and you like, you have to do everything. 
So you're saying silent partner? No, silent partner. But I mean, no. I'm just thinking that John was, uh, you know, John was incredibly, incredibly generous and a great teacher. And then at the end of the, the workshops, of course, he wouldn't take our money. You know, we all cobbled together twenty bucks a piece. And see, here, John. He said, Are you "Kidding? You wouldn't take our money." And you know, I've been thinking about him a lot because um, he's really, uh, I think, a person that that you know. Um, it would have been nice to have seen him work more and live longer, naturally, but I think he's also a person that uh, I think really exemplified a lot of the good things of Second City. Yes. You know. I agree with that. Because everyone has their stories about Second City. A lot of them are similar, and then, but then mm. everyone has their either... Some people have a bad experience with Second City, leaving Second City, and, then, and some mm. people have a good experience. So it's kind of nice to hear all sides of everything, but I think my dad had a perfect blend of both. Like, he definitely had his his, his frustrations, um, like everyone did with Second City, but at the end, he, he loved that place and the people that he met there, and he, he learned he learned a lot, and he was able to, you know, move forward in his career and take yeah. from what he learned, learned there, and put it in his movies that he created and the characters that he created. Very much like what I think everyone does that comes out of Second City. Yeah, I mean, I think that John Hughes, I mean, Planes, Trains, and Uncle Buck, I think, are, you know, yeah, the spot on the, the quintessential yeah, yeah. movies. Now, you you love acting, but you also love music as well. I do. So, how did you how did you get into to, to music? Did you, is it something that you like as a child? You love singing, and you just well, yeah, I guess my parents made me take piano, so I took piano for eight years. And when I say made me, they were like, "This is going to be good for you. You're going to like it." It's like, and I would play the piano, and I'd. My mother would be in the kitchen, and I'd be doing scales, and da 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 da, da and then I'd sort of do a different chromatic thing, and she'd be washing the dishes, going, "You're improvising." <laughs> <laughs> like that was a, and then I remember telling him years later, "I'm like a damn good living improvising." But she was, um, they really, you know, my parents really believed in these in, in, in higher things like that, right? And music was really really important. So yeah. Took eight years of piano, but I had a friend in high school and um, who was a great, great, great guitar player. And uh, when I saw how good he was, I realized that a I couldn't be that good, and b I didn't have the chops or dedication to it. And then I then I started doing theater, and then I realized I think that's what I wanted to do. But I didn't want to do musical theater. Right. I did plays and stuff, and so you know, but musical theater. It was not was not your thing. No, but that's why Second City is so much fun because you can sort of you know um, you can do music sing if you need to, and you know, and you can yeah, and that's why you know what I'm trying to do musically is you know a little bit in that thing. So uh, right now you you have a project that's that's your 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 baby right now. That, what, yeah, I guess it's like my you know my vanity project. Your I vanity project. No, um, my one man record show, which is called Too Hip for the Room. Correct. Um, I actually have. Can I? I want to show the little. Promo? Promo for it. Yeah, the, oh, okay, you, sure. I just, let's look at the promo. This is my nephew's idea. <laughs> oh, do tell records in association with Carpuzzi International presents Too Hip for the Room. Too Hip for the Room is a collection of 13 humorous and a few not so humorous jazz songs from John Kapalos. On Too Hip for the Room, you'll hear songs like I Wish I Was Married to Your Wife. I Wish I Was Married your wife and inimitable spin with your inimitable spin and no 
Joel Coward's cautionary tale, specially spruced up for this album, Don't Put Your Daughter on the Stage, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage, Mrs. Worthington. Don't put your daughter on the stage. <laughs> Did you write everything, or no. is this so? I curated the album. Um, <laughs> tell, tell us, tell us about the inspiration where well, this came from. I mean, I've done two albums before this, both of them fantastic flops, and um, <laughs> but you know, I, I love doing them. And this one, I figured, well, what I have to do is I have to support it with a tour, you know, like Steely Dan and. Uh, right. <laughs> so I'm going to go out on an 80, 80 city tour um, But I don't like I, mean, I hate, you know, Fred Cass Was a huge influence on, on a lot of us In Second City And particularly Second City Chicago Which I think Second City Toronto did not have The musical um, The musical um, the musical sort of uh, No, Fred lineage. Cass is the, the, the musical god of Second City and in then, Chicago Then we had Ruby after And, right. uh, and then whatever is going on now Um but, you know, Fred was from the, literally from the beat generation, and there was this sort of sense of irony and, and, and this great sense of, of fun in his music. And, and, like, I hate, you know, Weird Al Yankovic and stuff like that. I don't think a lot of comedy music is very disposable. You hear it once, and you just don't want to hear it again. Right. Because it's funny, ha-ha, on that level. But this stuff is more like, uh... So what I did was I got a lot of Second City people, like David Rashi wrote, I Wish I Was Married to Your Wife. Oh, that's great. And he also wrote another one uh, on the album, which is called... Um, um, what's it called? Anybody remember? Um, uh, I, there's another song called Ennui, which I wrote. Um, I wrote the title of the song Too Hip for the Room. I do a version of uh, um, Round Midnight is a classic uh, song by uh, um, Thelonious Monk, and I do a version called Round Lunchtime, <laughs> which I wrote with Ruby, Mary Wender, Ruby Streak, many yeah. years ago, and, and we did that. And then I did a thing uh, with uh, Ira Miller. We wrote a song called My oh, Baby wow. Loves Yo- Low-Fat. <laughs> and um, so there's a lot of stuff with Second City people. Nate Herman wrote a song okay. called My Goodness. And there's another David Rashi song in there, too. Um, My Baby Lo- um, um Shit. Well, you're just going to have to buy the album. album. <laughs> well, the album is going to come out. I was going to announce it to the world. I'm going to come out on October 2nd. And I'm going to be doing some performances at Vitello's. Oh, great. And I'm going to be doing it with a big band. And oh, um, be probably doing it uh, the weekend after that. And we're going to be giving out these little things. Yeah, if you want to come, and I'll give you a free download and all that shit. So. Well, that'd be fabulous. So, that yeah. So, wait, on the flyer, does it say when you're going to be singing at Vitello's? No, we don't. But what you can do website. is you, you can email me. Okay. And what I'll do is I'll send you a free track. And then I'll put you on my mailing list, Ooh. and then uh, I'll let you know about the Vitello's gig. I but I really like singing and performing, and um, you know I'm no Marty Short, but you know there we go. <laughs> I, from, I'm excited. Marty's to, good. My Marty's Marty funny. is good, but this stuff is also pretty funny. Like from what I've what I've heard so far, and just a sampling of what you've sent me already, I'm, I'm cool. excited. I I will definitely come check you check it out at Vitello's and all that. Good, but. We have come, we're coming to the, the end of our show. Oh, really? I'm oh, sorry. Right. Oh, God. No, I know. I talked too much? <laughs> no, we've talked plenty, which is fabulous. But I like to do um, a sh- little thing called uh, Candy Connection. It's just kind of like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but with my dad, John Candy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of um, will get to six degrees somehow. So I'm going to start off with... Uh, John, you were at Second City, and my dad, John Candy, was at Second City. Therefore, we have six degrees. <laughs> no, that's only one degree, really. And that's yeah, not, no, that's I just, 
It's not even a degree, uh, no, right? No, okay, thank you. It's a semi degree. It's semi, okay, right. I, I think semi I John, you were in Dr. Detroit with yes. Dan Aykroyd, yeah, who was in Second City with John Candy. There we go, six degrees. No, of no, 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 that's only two degrees, Jen. It is. Oh, I Hold two. on. I can get us to six. Good. I can do this. This is my bad. Okay, I got this one. John, you were in Nothing in Common with Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks was in Forrest Gump with Sally Field. Sally Field was in Smokey and the Bandits with Burt Reynolds. Burt Reynolds was married to Lonnie Anderson, who was in WKRP in Cincinnati, and also Three Ninjas, High Noon at Mega Mountain with Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan was in Rocky Three with Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone directed Rocky II. Another director is Steven Spielberg, who directed Jurassic Park with Jeff Goldblum. Another actor named Jeff is Jeff Bridges, who is in The Big Lebowski with John Goodman. John Goodman hosted Saturday Night Live. Another host of Saturday Night Live was John Candy, therefore giving us I've worked with Jeff Bridges. You did? Okay, wait. We could've... I've worked with John Don't Goodman. give away my illusion. <laughs> but, um, great. so, John, yeah. it was such a pleasure to have you on the show. We Thank have you. a mutual friend who has a birthday today. I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is, <laughs> but his name is Mike Haggerty. <laughs> Don't have any matches? Please help me sing happy birthday. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Michael. Happy birthday to you. Called and she said that we're, we're thinking about interviewing your friend uh, Jan Kaplan, but it's on your birthday, so I don't want to take anything away from your birthday. And I said, I can't think of any place I'd rather be than seeing my friend interviewed by me on, on my birthday. So, uh, why, why is she laughing? Why is your so, uh, why is really laughing? And, and now there's a cake. There's a cake. <laughs> it's, not, it's not really cake, it's a box underneath. <laughs> I want to say thank like you guys so much for coming out to another Couch Candy. I want everyone to go into the lobby um, across the way. We're going to have cake and there's cupcakes. And also, please take... Here's, um, I have a couple pictures down here and a thing from my, my show. Yes, so. there's uh, a, a great photos of Turco and then Haggerty and John and then information about his album. And don't forget. <laughs> so thank you guys so much for coming. Have a great